Hey everyone, and welcome back to the second collection of Res. My name is Riley, and I'm here with my friend Daniel. Hey! And we are going to be discussing today Neil Blomkamp's sci-fi epic, District 9. Uh, but before we get into that, just wanted to say thanks everybody for sticking around for the second collection. We don't really have any announcements other than that this is the very first episode in that collection. Um, so if you want to know more about these episodes, if you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, if you want to interact with us in any way on future episodes, please go to our subreddit, rescast.reddit.com, uh, or you can find us on our website, rescast.fm, or iTunes and Google Play. So without any further ado, Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about District 9? I can attempt to. I could definitely try. Okay. Um, <laughs> because, as we'll see, there's a, there's a lot going on here. So, District 9 is, as you mentioned, directed by Neil Blomkamp, released in 2009. It is, I think you could still call it a sci-fi epic, but it's for sure sci-fi. Um, and it follows the story of an Afrikaner named Vikas Van Meer and alien named in quotes christopher johnson as they struggle to survive in the harsh alien internment area known as district nine so district nine uh this camp that they are that their story plays out in is like a concentration camp for aliens that landed on earth just outside of Johannesburg, South Africa. And Vickis starts his story as a high-ranking official within a government contractor called MNU. And as I mentioned, Christopher Johnson, in quotes again, is the human-given name for one of the aliens that live in District 9. So using these two characters... Neil and the and the team who made this movie explore both like some really cool ideas about an alternate an alternative quote alien invasion, but mm -hmm. also um, real world human ideas about xenophobia and racism, um, mm -hmm. how mega corporations affect today and the future, and then also the historical impacts of things specific to South Africa, like apartheid, um, which all kind of manifest themselves in different ways. I'm sure that we'll get to dive into as we explore the film. And then more recently, uh, he's put together a very unique, um, approach to online entertainment with his studio called oats, mm -hmm. where they will make, 15 to 20 minute short films and then okay. sell them on on steam along with other like um on behind steam yeah yeah exactly. that is interesting um the the purchases also include a lot of like background information like behind the scenes stuff which is always really interesting when you're talking about um neil blomkamp's movies uh-huh um, a couple that I've seen since release that I could recommend that I'll link in the show notes are Raka, 
which is mm-hmm. a a post-apocalyptic um, Earth invasion scenario with different aliens, equally cool mm-hmm. aliens compared to the District mm-hmm. Nine aliens, um, starring oh my god, I forgot Sigourney Weaver, which is oh wow. a really big deal. And then another uh, piece that that they put out is called Firebase, which I can't remember if at the time of this recording it was going to have more pieces released or not, but it's Mm -hmm. set in actually uh, the Vietnam War era. Okay. And it follows the story of a kind of elite commando soldier man who uh, is dealing with a mysterious um creature in the jungle who just wipes everybody out um hmm. if this one is not necessarily an alien uh, i'll i'll leave people to watch it to to see what's going on with it but it's like an equally interesting character design um hmm. so it's cool that even though he's had some of these quote unquote failed projects uh since releasing district nine um he's still been putting out some some cool like next level internet stuff through his oats studio that is really neat that's kind of a non-traditional filmmaking i guess you could say yeah um going through the the internet distribution route so directly as to sell on steam it's kind of neat um I don't know if we mentioned this already or not, but District 9 is actually his first feature-length film as well, which is kind of... it. It's definitely set a tone, I think, for his other works. Yeah. Um, his other two feature films having been Elysium and Chappie, mm-hmm. which Chappie is also set in Johannesburg. I think Elysium is maybe not specifically set in Joburg, but definitely looks like it is. <laughs> um, yeah. With uh, the kind of like underlying premise of that movie that the entire surface of the earth has kind of become like Johannesburg's outskirts. <laughs> and then there's rich people that live in a satellite that orbit the earth. Um, yeah. But I don't know of any other like uh, very prominent South African directors that really come to mind. So it feels like... Mm-hmm neil blomkamp's kind of advanced a lot of the maybe some of the tropes of south african uh ness in movies but also just a lot of that cultural um mindset i guess you know it's like his own flavor he's bringing to the table that is pretty unique to him i think the the things that always stand out with the with the things that i've with the movies and short films that i've seen from him are just like unbelievable uh character design and how like photorealistic the renders will get um and as dirty Mm -hmm. of a world as physically possible that feels like the common threads in everything yes he wants it to feel like you could go to johannesburg and see like prawns running around in district nine and it'd be real yeah and that's something that's kind of like um the cgi wasn't that great for the movie because it was a pretty low budget mm. movie. Um, yeah. So like the actual prawns and some of the scenes are definitely CGI'd in to the point where like yeah. it doesn't look like they belong there physically. But 
like most of the time, even on a poor CGI budget, everything looked so real and so like I wonder how much of it was um practical effects. I feel like a lot of it had to be, you know, of just like all the trash and the dirt and like the egg nest and like Yes. The, oh, that was so gross. All of the really gross scenes with um Vicus transforming. Like Yeah. Yeah. There there is a real um visceral quality to a lot of what he shoots yes yes oh, um, the first time you start to see the carapace poking through vicus's skin oh my you're God. like oh yeah i just <laughs> it's just so gross those scenes to me were the hardest to watch in the movie um but i don't think we've we've summarized this might be a good segue into a little summary of what happens in the rest of the movie. I know you kind of set up that we've got this guy Vickus yeah. from the the government agency. We've got the mm-hmm. alien Christopher, who's uh, got his mission to go home. Um, mm-hmm. How do they meet each other? How do they interact with one another? And what happens over the course of the movie? Yeah. So at the very beginning. Both of our major characters are separated, so they've got two different um, two different storylines that will eventually meet. Um, Vicus is is just given responsibility of uh, moving the one point whatever million prawns from District Nine to a new like internment area that's farther from the city called District Ten. It's like uh, think like. FEMA tents and and like a walled in protected area kind of thing for District 10. And so the beginning of the film um, for Vickus is him like riding in in this military convoy to serve up eviction notices to all one point whatever million aliens in District 9 because they have to tell them that they now have to move to District 10. Which yeah, well, yeah, that's kind of like a uh, interesting way to go about doing this. Yeah, whole let's resettle all of these foreigners into a concentration camp uh, idea is like that they're going to go and get them to sign papers that say it's okay for you to do this to me. So that way, it's like a real government level cover your ass type thing. Yeah. Um, it feels almost like what happened to like a lot of Native Americans mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S., where like people would come in and try to force them into deals that meant something to the Americans but nothing to the Native Americans. Um, and then when they signed the papers or made the deal or whatever, it's like, okay, we'll get the f- out. Um, yeah, like exactly. I think there was a scene at the beginning of of this whole debacle where like <clears throat> Vickis presents a clipboard to one of the prawns and he's like, I need your scrawl on this. And the guy hits it out of his hands. And he's like, okay, that, that counts. That counts. <laughs> yeah. Scrawl right here. Like we've got him, get him out of here. The, uh, uh, an important detail I think t- to also throw in that I forgot to mention is that Vickis is basically being followed by a documentary crew. Yeah. And so, weird. yeah. So that like, he, he does a lot of like exposition as to like, He's like, we got to get them to sign this because of this. And he's kind of like talking to the camera about it. So he's also mm-hmm. kind of like saying like, 
he hit it. That's that's good enough. That means that we can go. And he's like kind of telling the documentary crew it. So it's kind of like a yeah. PR thing. It's 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 very interesting. Yeah. Um, and most prawns that he tries to like talk to about it in the subtitles, it doesn't make like it. They they don't seem to indicate that they understand what's happening. Like they can't speak English. They can't read it. None of that. Um, right. And. And that'll change when he gets to Christopher, who, uh, while this is going on with Vickus, Christopher and his friend and Christopher's, like, kid? Like, mm-hmm. baby prawn? Yeah, his little son prawn. Um, they are, like, in their, like, hovel, like, doing some kind of experiment thing. They've got, like, vials going, and, and you don't know exactly yeah. what's happening with it. They're yeah. co- they're collecting juices from old alien artifacts, and they're, like, distilling it into something. And they put it in this canister, and they're like, we gotta, like, hide this. The people are coming and knocking on our door. Don't let anybody find this. And then when Vickus and his entourage arrive at Christopher's hovel... Um, Christopher and baby Christopher hide, uh, and their friend comes out and does like the whole like, um, negotiation or like they're, they're like go out and talk to the cops, yeah, right? They like talk to the cops. It's basically like this is your place. We don't want them to know that we're in here doing whatever we're doing. Yeah. So go out and deal with the police, and we'll like hide. Yeah. And. That doesn't go very well, and Christopher's friend ends up getting killed after they, like, beat the crap out of uh, Vickus, and I think they also kind of, like, attack some other people there. Um, And so Christopher and young Christopher run. Was this where Vickus finds the canister, or was it at Christopher's house that they find the canister? Uh, It is in this, like, scene here. So this is where Vickus goes in, because he... Christopher's friend, I don't know if we get his name. Uh, I don't think so. Because he's been so aggressive, Vickus is like, oh, well, we've got, you know, there's weapons in this house. I can I can feel it. I can know it. This guy's up to no good. He's, up, he's a bad guy. So we're going to go in and we're going to confiscate all of his weapons and whatever. Um, this is like a recurring character trait of Vickus's is that he's yeah. like, he's married to the daughter of his boss who recently promoted him so he's kind of a kiss ass he's kind of like doing whatever he can in the system he's in to get ahead he's always about like exploiting technicalities um and like he he has a very uncharitable opinion of the other um in this case that so like the aliens whoever is not like him and is very like quick to typecast quick to uh put them into a box and this is just another example of like when he is is not able to understand why these aliens don't like it when he comes to his door with a bunch of armed guards and tells them that they have to leave their homes yeah um he immediately thinks that anybody who who would say no to that or who would question it is a bad guy yeah and so he's gonna like go look for any reason he can to like throw them in prison or get them arrested or kill them or you know yeah whatever the case may be and so when christopher's friend uh resists 
and they find weapons and stuff and they're like we're gonna lock you up forever uh he fights back and ends up getting killed while christopher and young christopher run away and leave behind the shack that has the vial in it yeah and in vicus's like search to try to find whatever he can on this alien to justify uh the actions that they're going to be taking he finds the vial and is like oh what is this it's probably some kind of like thing the kids do these days i don't remember exactly how he phrases it like it looks like it's it's like a a food canister or something like that so he tries to like open it yeah and then like all this weird stuff like sprays out onto his face and like and then he's like ah this is terrible ah what's going on and he like pushes the documentary crew away while he like cleans himself up yeah well i think that he like like he when he finds it he's he's looking for weapons yeah he doesn't know there's weapons but he's looking for weapons and so when he sees it he's like trying to figure out how this thing is a weapon right and there's like this this scene of him like looking at it and being like okay well this looks dangerous i don't think it's a weapon but i don't know what it is so we're (laughs) definitely going to confiscate it it's like it could be could be very bad um and he like touches it on the top and that's when it like spurts him in the face yeah and he starts like wheezing and hacking and does the whole like okay guys we need to do like a second take of this yeah and then when they come back in the second take of him finding it he's like this thing is a very dangerous canister (laughs) like we have to confiscate this little weapon um it's like you know we don't want anybody getting close to this it might spray on them it might like you know yeah uh, infect them or whatever He's such a goon. He is such a goon. And so they just like plop it in a bag and he's like, and then he just like continues on a- after the shack and like continues to serve his eviction notices. Um, yeah. And so now that canister is in possession of Vicus and eventually it'll be in possession of the, the MNU. Vicus throughout the day of continuing to serve his eviction notices, like deteriorates. It like, you don't like it it seems um, no i'm like physically shuddering about <laughs> these scenes he like starts to get ill and he like throws up a couple times and and it's just like not a good day for him so he goes home after this day this miserable day he had to like deal with aliens that he doesn't like and like a bunch of other crap Uh, And he's not feeling good. He gets home and the worst possible thing that could happen to you when you're (laughs) sick happens. And that is his wife has prepared a surprise party to celebrate his promotion. So like all of his friends are there and his boss is there and and they like start like talking to him about things. His boss is like like cordial and then he pulls into the side and starts like getting on to him about like about like business stuff and all this time he looks like he could like pass out because he's like well like just before he walked in he literally his pants oh i didn't notice that he did yeah he like gets out of his car and you hear his stomach like and he freaks out because oh no oh no and he himself Oh my god. And he god. walks in and his wife is like, What's going on? What's going on? He's like, I gotta get to the bathroom, baby. I just like pooped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Wait, surprise. <laughs> uh 
Uh, this, ladies and gentlemen, is why surprise parties are bogus. <laughs> yeah. So if you ever plan on throwing a surprise party for somebody, check their pants first. <laughs> and then I believe that, like, he... It doesn't really take him that long of, like, having to talk to people and interact with people before he, like, starts to throw up again and then he passes out. And yep. and so MNU agents okay. swoop in and take him to their, like, CD offices to try to, like, figure out what's wrong with him. And, like, why is he... Why is he feeling ill? Why is he, like, puking up black stuff? It's, like, not very good. It's really, really gross. <laughs> um... <sighs> And after a uh, a little bit of a stay there, doesn't he wake up in their lab and then he finds that his left arm is no longer human? Yeah, he had like wrapped up because he got into um, an altercation out in District 9 during the whole canister thing. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the the aliens, like Christopher's friend, I think it was actually, like, smacked him, you know. These aliens are super strong. Um, and we're calling them prawns, but it's pretty clear in the beginning of the movie that prawn is like a derogatory racist yeah. term. Um, I don't know what else to call them, though, because they don't ever offer anything else. Yeah. So if we call them prawns, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend. Um <laughs> We can call them aliens instead if that's more politically correct. But the the aliens are like very strong with like one punch. They can, you know, send a man flying 30 feet. And so Christopher's friend hits Vickis and like breaks his arm. And so Vickis wraps his, his left arm up in gauze. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like completely covered the entire day. Yeah. Um, and then after he passes out at the birthday party, they take him to the hospital and when they take him to the hospital, the doctor, like, he's like, oh, let's check on your arm while you're here. See if it got infected. Maybe that, like, made you sick or something. And he cuts open the gauze. And then it's it's an alien hand now. Yeah. Um, so Vickis, like, freaks out. And the doctor, like, quickly puts, you know, the oxygen mask over him to make him pass out. They evacuate the hospital and then transfer Vickis down to the MNU's bio lab. Right. That's how he got there. Okay. Yep. That's how yeah. <clears throat> and while he's there, they do like all kinds of experiments on him, probing him. They take him to this firing range, mm-hmm. which I mentioned earlier that this company that he works for also does like weapons research. So that's why this, this firing mm-hmm. range exists. And they like try to get him to unlock these alien weapons that haven't worked for humans ever before. But now that he has like this alien arm, they're like, does it work? And it does. Mm -hmm. So you start like having him like shoot up like pig carcasses and like with all their different kinds of guns. But then eventually they force him to shoot an alien that they've had captured, which is kind of f***ed up. Uh, yeah, he really doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Which is kind of an interesting character moment, I feel like. Yeah. Because um, the entire 45 minutes before this, Vickis has been super enthusiastic to like make these aliens' lives hell. Yeah. Um, 
like even in there there's a scene where they find a nest of alien eggs um so like you know imagine um like a nursery at a hospital Mm -hmm. and he goes in and starts like unplugging the eggs from their life support and like laughing about it and ha 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 and there's like too many of them there's like 50 of them in there he even makes like a you know a joke to one of the soldiers you want to keep this little feeding tube as proof of your first abortion yeah um and then he like calls in the dudes with flamethrowers to burn down the hut and the eggs are like popping and you hear like shrieking and stuff so he's like he's totally fine in the context of like his job or whatever to like literally be a murderer yeah but then whenever suddenly like he has to be the one to pull the trigger it's not okay for some reason it kind of goes a little bit back to what you were saying about how Mm -hmm. uh, maybe order taker is not the right word in this particular context but how much of like a just a rule follower he is and then as soon as like he's deviating from what he's like trained himself to do he's like oh this is up i don't want to do this what's going on yeah, it's a little bit like, um, you know, a lot of people in the Nuremberg trials being like, well, I did it because my boss told me to do it. Like, I was a Nazi because my boss made me a Nazi. Yeah. Um, so, like, whenever Vickis is in the MNU and his boss is having him go do horrible things, presumably he can just, like, pass that off as, like, yeah, this is just my job. Like, I'm the bad guy, maybe, but I'm actually a good guy because what I do is good eventually. Yeah. But then whenever they they are the ones making him do, like, stuff he doesn't want to do, he's suddenly not okay with it. Yeah, like, directly killing people is not something that he, like, mentally prepared himself for. Yeah. So he kills that prawn. Yeah. And then they, like... After they've done all, like, these tests on him and they see that, like, he's continuing to change, like, more of his body is, like, starting to show signs that it's, that it's like, turning into a alien. They, it's kind of a bizarre, like, situation, but, like, they have him on a gurney strapped down in every possible way. And, mm-hmm. like, the CEO of the company that he works for and his father-in-law and, like, doctors are just, like, casually, conversationally dis- deciding what his fate is. Mm-hmm. And so he's, like, screaming at them, like, don't let them kill me, don't let them kill me, or whatever. And they're like, right. I mean, we could just take the arm, but, like, we kind of need, like, more from him, you know? And so, <laughs> And so he's just like... Just let me go. Just cure me. I don't want to do this. I don't want any of this to happen to me. And then they're like, nah, it's fine. Just f- kill him. And so yep. they the the doctors are like, sure, boss. And then like the bosses leave. <laughs> and then before they kill him, the he he's just like, he just gets like so upset and somehow finds the strength to like unbound, unbind himself. And then mm-hmm. escapes from the hospital. Presumably the alien DNA changing him makes him strong like an alien. Yeah. Yeah. So now Vickis is a fugitive. And he tries like a couple things to, to hide just in the populace or to get away or to like get a hold of his wife. And find out what's going mm-hmm. on or like if she can help him. And then eventually he he decides that like. 
there's one place I know I can go where it'll be really difficult for them to find me, and that's District 9. Mm-hmm. So he sneaks in, finds an empty hovel, and and sleeps there for the night. Uh, and then his real adventure begins. Yeah. <sighs> so there's a lot that happens while he's in District 9 trying to, like, figure himself out. At first, he's just, like, trying to find food. And he runs into... Uh, that's where he kind of the movie kind of shows you that bizarrely the aliens really like cat food, but also like mm-hmm. cow carcasses, like raw cow carcasses. So there are humans that live in District Nine that distribute this to the aliens. Um, they they kind of they're kind of like drug dealers, except it's easy. They just buy cat food. Um, yeah, the Nigerians. Yes. Uh, Which I don't know why they chose the Nigerians, but sorry guys, you you are the drug dealers in this one. <laughs> they they did just kind of refer to them as like, oh, Nigerians came and lived in District Nine, and then like, yeah, apparently, don't know. Apparently, uh, the country um, of Nigeria had a special cut of the film that didn't refer to them as Nigerians. Um, okay, <laughs> which fine. It, it felt kind of like a, a weird detail. Maybe there's like beef between South Africans and Nigerians that we just don't understand. Maybe. And if you're a Nigerian and you're hearing this for the first time, sorry. Yeah, sorry. That's what the rest of the world saw. So he like kind of, he, he learns about that and he like gets food. He starts eating cat food a lot, which he seems to like, which again, he's turning into an alien. Must just be how it goes. Yeah. And while he's doing that, he gets kind of like caught up in with some like a drug dealer gang or a weapons dealer gang of Nigerians who capture him and want to mm-hmm. they're fascinated by his arm for a variety of reasons um, they're kind of uh, mm-hmm. what's the word um, shamanistic and so they think that consuming alien bits will do good things for them. Yeah. And because his alien arm is on a human, the the weapons dealer lord dude is like, I need that arm. I need to eat that arm so I can get that arm. Right. And so they're about to try to cut off his arm and kill him. Just again, just like the MNU guys. And mm-hmm. he manages to grab a gun that's sitting around and, and like fight his way out. Not shooting it, but just like threatening people. So he does shoot some people. Oh, he does shoot some people. Yeah, Forgot. it's like a wind gun thing. He like shoots oh, at a dude yeah. and blasts him through a wall. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes uh, that's that's coming back to me. And so the 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 warlord dude like vows vengeance, and sure enough, we'll see him later. But we'll get to that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then, kind of now, he's made enemies of the company he used to work for, who. Uh, suppress or represses the prawns. Now he's made enemies of the warlords who mm-hmm. repress the prawns. Mm-hmm. He's already so now, enemies with the prawns because he's been yeah. serving them eviction notices. <laughs> and his wife also doesn't like him anymore because when he escaped the MNU's clutches, they started circulating uh, propaganda saying that Vicus had been having sex with the aliens and it had like infected him with some horrible disfiguring disease which 
yeah. he's got an arm that's an alien arm now. And yeah. they like tell everybody to stay 20 meters away from him. And so now everybody's like when they see him, they freak out and call the police. Yeah. It's like an utter pariah. Yeah. And and the 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 reason that he hears this from his wife is because he's he's stolen a cell phone and he can call her and, and yeah. that's when he was trying to ask for help and stuff. So now that everybody hates him, he stumbles into a hovel that happens to belong to Christopher Johnson, the alien from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And like at first, of course, it's obviously tense. Uh, Christopher's like, get the hell out. I don't want you here. Mm-hmm. And then Vickus like discovers that there's like a hatch under Christopher's house. And he like I don't remember exactly how he how he does it, but he like nosy like he noses his way in there and is like, What's going on in here? And he discovers that that hatch leads to a buried shuttle mm-hmm. from the ship that brought all of the aliens to Earth in the first place. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Christopher knows um, what's happening here. Yeah. And Christopher is definitely different than a lot of the other aliens you meet in the film up to this point. Like, mm-hmm. he's very articulate. He's very smart. He's like a technologist. He obviously he's making like the vial of goop or whatever, but he's like he knows how to turn this plane back on, like the shuttle back on. Uh-huh. Um, he like questions the legality of the moving people out of District Nine and like won't sign the waiver, and so he's like very, very smart. Um, yeah, we'll probably get a little bit deeper into this, but for some reason he he talks a lot to Vickus and he kind of like tells him what the sh- what the shuttle is for mm-hmm. and what the canister is for mm-hmm. that infected Vickus. Yeah. And what what it turns out to be is it seems that over the last couple decades since the mothership arrived and dropped all the aliens off, Christopher and others like him have been trying to make enough like uh shuttle um fuel to get back to the ship to mm-hmm. leave earth and so that's what the canister is but now the the government agency has the canister and he's like and it's all your fault vicus it's why like i hate you mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then vicus is like okay 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 we can get that back yeah if we get that back does that mean that you can take me to your ship and cure me mm-hmm and then Christopher's like, I mean, I guess. And then that's how their beautiful friendship is born. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> they hatch this plan to get weapons from the weapons dealer men. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that, sorry, I actually got that backwards. That's when they first meet the weapons dealer men is when they're trying to get weapons to go raid the place. Yeah. So, sorry about that. That was confusing. Um, after they procured the weapons from the weapons dealer men, they they very quickly just get to down, down, downtown Johannesburg to the MNU 
mm-hmm. headquarters, and they're just like, start forcing their way in. They're like, we got to get to this lab and get this canister. And so yep. this is where, like, the real cool fight scenes start happening. Mm-hmm. Because they get to show off, like, these, like, exotic alien weapons that both of them can use now. And they're, like, some of them are just, like, really high fire rate. Some of them are, like, these, like, beams of electricity that just, like, vaporize dudes. There's, mm-hmm. like, there's, like, everything. Yeah, very sci-fi sh- And they get down there, and Christopher is, like, horrified to see all of, like, the experiments they've been doing on the aliens. And because... Vickus is a bit of like a psychopath. He's like, just don't think about it. Think about the, mm-hmm. keep the eye on the prize. The eye on the prize is curing me. Let's get on right. with it. Um, they end up finding the vial. Sorry, I'm going to object real quick to that oh. reading of that scene. Go for it. Um, because like there's dudes coming down to actually shoot and kill both Christopher and Vickus with guns. Yeah. And Christopher is like, you know, dumbstruck by the carcass of another alien that's been like burned and examined yeah and so he's just like standing there looking over the body of this thing and of course vicus like still wants to be cured but he also tells christopher um that like you know they've got important work to do and that like think of your son like don't you don't want to leave your son behind Mm -hmm. in a way that is like it contrasts an earlier scene between the two of them where Vickis is trying to evict Christopher and get him to sign these papers. Yeah. And he threatens to take his son away. Yeah. Right. He threatens it like, oh, this is unsafe living conditions due to Article 75. And so we're going to take your son and put him in a one by one box and he's going to live in that the rest of his life and whatever. Yeah. Very like rude and uncharitable and heartless. But in this scene, it's it's kind of a contrast to that scene where he's actually i think genuinely saying like if you die here like who's going to take care of your son like you need to snap out of it because your life is on the line yeah um i do think though that this is still a part of vicus's life where he hasn't really learned yet but he's on like the way there mm-hmm yeah I agree. I think there's both of those elements in that scene. I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't like... Fair. He's not a total psychopath still. He is changing both physically and emotionally. After they get the vial and they make their way out of the government facilities, they they then get back to District 9. um, And now there's like a full-on manhunt for Vickas and Christopher. Because they just, mm-hmm. like, shot up a bunch of dudes, which is not a good idea, I guess, if you don't want people to come after you. <laughs> um, and so now they're, like, tr- trying to run away inside District 9. And they're having, like, sporadic firefights with, mm-hmm. um, with the authorities. And they manage to capture Christopher. They don't... Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry, they they capture both, but they put Christopher in, like, a different place. Mm-hmm. And as they are, like, trying to take them out of District 9 to do whatever they want with them, um, then the warlords are back, and they attack the government officials and, like, kill a bunch of dudes and capture Vicus. 
Mm-hmm. And they take him back to their like warlord den, and they're like, "You didn't, you didn't think that you could actually get away with it, did you? Well, I'm gonna take that arm now." And so, mm-hmm. again, like, <laughs> um, there's actually a lot happening during this time. Like, they're still yeah. going to take his arm, but now there's, like, a counterattack from the government people, and they're, like, coming after the warlords, and so they're, like, coming in. It's very high-octane. <laughs> this is also the scene where he gets the mech suit, right? Yes, and kind of, like, in this chaos, Vickus, like, still manages to get free, and he, like, gets inside this alien mech suit thing. Like, think a Titanfall Titan suit, but, yeah. like, a little bit smaller and fits the aliens. Mm-hmm. And so he like gets into it and he's like, get the f- back warlords. You are, don't make me. And then they make him. And then he just, <laughs> kill, he f- destroys them. Step one, yeah. he catches all their bullets with like a grab thing and then shoots yeah. it all back at them, which is oh yeah, awesome. It was really cool. It was like a single buckshot blast of yeah. like hundreds of bullets. And the survivors, he, like, zaps them. And then he... T- mm-hmm. I don't really know what was happening here. But the warlord guy doesn't get buckshot. He doesn't get zapped. What happens to yeah. him is, like, the mech suit, like, shoots this, like... Oh, like, yeah. Thing, Ew. And, and Ew. it, like, stabs into his skull and then, like, explodes it. Like, it was... Yeah, his head, like, swells and then blows up. She's <laughs> like, what the... It was so crazy. It's uh, very unnecessarily visceral. Yes, yes. And then in this chaos, the the MNU dudes are fighting the warlords who are fighting like now Vicus in a mech, and <laughs> and so Vicus goes and frees Christopher, and he's like, "I get it now. We got to get you to the ship." And so they're like running along Vicus, and he's like blowing. The- out of them and mm-hmm. and they start like to deteriorate his mech suit and he, mm-hmm. he he keeps like he he, he slowly realizes that he's not going to make it to the ship mm-hmm. and so he's like go on without me we gotta like you gotta at least make it and Christopher's like I will be back to fix you and so Christopher gets away. Vickis turns and like does like a last stand. He catches a missile, oh, which yeah. was so cool. Um, but eventually, the shuttle makes it to the ship and it starts to like float away and leave the planet. There's like kind of an epilogue where they talk about how like they did end up moving the aliens and. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't really know where the ship is right now. They don't know where Vickus is. Um, they talked to like, some of his friends, and some of them are like, I hate what he did. Some of them are like, I kind of get it, but it was really bad. His like wife is like, I still believe that he's out there somewhere, and I still love him. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of show who, who we presume to be Vickus in alien form, like living amongst the district nine residents yeah. and then it ends. Yeah. Especially towards the end there, there was so much stuff happening. I probably glossed over a lot of details, but 
I think we hit the major points, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, it goes from zero to a hundred real quick. Is there are there any like major plot things that you would add details to, or do you wanna do you wanna like turn our attention to uh, uh, listener input that we got from the subreddit? Um. Yeah, I don't think there was really anything that you you missed that I would have talked more about. I think there are lots of open questions about yeah. the plot, um, but I think we'll get to those through <clears throat> Excuse me, some of these listener comments. So just to recap, these are things that um, a couple of the listeners put in the pre-show thread that we put out a couple weeks ago that we thought were kind of cool and worth discussing on here. Um, whenever we do episodes of this collection, we're going to always have that thread. So remember, if you have something that you want to say or questions you want to ask us, that's the place to do it. Um, yep. And we'll announce at the end of every episode what the next episode is going to be about. And we'll yep. put up the pre-show thread at the same time. So, Yep, 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 yep. So let's start with um, a little bit about Vicus and yeah. what his role is in the in the movie. Sure. User Green Eggs and Pam on Reddit, I think, asks one of the most basic questions that we've kind of alluded to already as we talked about the plot of the movie. Do you view him as a hero? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, thanks for that one. I think Vicus is kind of set up to be a guy that you really don't like at the beginning and supposed to have a change of heart and and be somebody who you kind of empathize with towards the end. Um, I think his whole journey is less about becoming a hero and more about, obviously he turns into an alien, but I think it's meant to symbolize this this journey of becoming quote unquote the other. So there's kind of like this concept in, in film that is used to reduce down some messy human biases that we all have. Um, they're in this case, most clearly shown as an allegory towards like race, right? So the, the prawns in, District 9 kind of stand in for a lot of black people during apartheid and how there was a lot of oppression against them and these white people basically treated them like like animals, subhuman, do whatever they want to them. Um, and so Vickis is kind of in that spot at the beginning of this movie. <laughs> but thanks to sci-fi and sci-fi <laughs> being a genre where you can use magic to... <laughs> change social elements in people's lives Vickis transforms into this other and I think on the way starts to get some understanding of what it means to be uh, hated for who you are uh, to be persecuted relentlessly to be hunted for no good reason that you can understand um, to be seen as an animal to be cast out of society and so I think it's less about Vickis being a hero and more about him realizing what it means to be in these quite literally like in the shoes of mm -hmm. 
the people he was persecuting. Yeah, it's uh, it's got a little bit of, um, oh, who's that biblical figure who used to persecute Christians and then became Paul. one? Paul. It's got a little bit of yeah. that, except obviously with, <clears throat> with a different kind of magic going on. Um, yeah. He's... He's, I don't think that he's very active in his uh, transformation, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's been completely forced upon him, which in some ways kind of yeah. mirrors how oppressed peoples are forced to be those people. They don't have any choice in that right. matter either. Right. And that doesn't feel particularly heroic myself. Um, I would agree with you there. It's a lot more like he's a, a, uh, not a vessel, but like a prop for kind of demonstrating this idea. Yeah. And I think it's a really good point that this, this happens to him. Mm-hmm. He does not elect to try and understand what's going on on the other side. He's not sympathetic. The whole time it's happening to him, he doesn't believe that it's happening to him. He still holds out this hope that, like, he can change and he can go back to, you know, having his life the way it was beforehand. Yeah. Um, even though it's very clear that that's just not going to happen. Um, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I think that, like, he... Um, like you were saying, does everything that he does in a selfish way uh-huh. and still wants to like restore his status in society to, to that of a human again, quite literally. But I think that like it, while in Vicus's case seems kind of selfish and um, maybe a little bit like, I don't really know the right way to describe it, but like now that he is getting a taste of what it's like to be on the other side, he's kind of like cowardly yeah. and like regrets a lot of things and like, but he doesn't own up to any of them really. He just wants things to go back the way they were and like, I wish I had never ever made any mistakes so that way I could still be an asshole and persecute people. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that there's like that, that for him is that journey. But for the the people who get persecuted, um, I think that that's a cool, like, a, not cool, but a, uh, I think that there's a similar experience probably of you lose your humanity mm-hmm. and all you want is to get that humanity back. And you'll do basically whatever it takes to get back to that point. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it feels like an authentic portrayal of how a, a, a person who knew a life before persecution would actually think of things. Right. They would be kind of selfish. Yeah. And you want to go back to that life, even if you weren't a good person in that life. At least you were a person. I I put in the thread that I'm, I am, I don't think, I don't even know if he's an anti-hero. I'm anti that he is a hero. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Um, thanks. I think uh, Christopher. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. sorry. I no. was going to say, I think that Christopher is actually the hero. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. 
And actually, that kind of goes a little bit into another user's question for us um, about mm. Christopher. If, especially if you think Christopher is the hero, what do you think the circumstances of his return will be, if any? Is he heroic to you in the sense that he's going to do the what's best for his people? Or do you think that he is heroic because he is honorable and that he's going to come back and do what he promised for Vicus or both? Um, which, uh, sorry, can you attribute that question as well? Oh, yes. Sorry. This was uh, Toxic Space Pants. Okay. Yeah. Um, cool. Thanks for the question. I have no reason to believe that Christopher is not honorable. Um, when he promises Vicus that he's going to come back in, in three years and transform him back into a human. Um, obviously, Neil Blomkamp didn't come back in three years. Uh, <laughs> make District 10. Uh, hasn't done that yet. He said as recently as like February of this year that he still wants to make District 10, but that he hasn't gotten to it yet. Um, yeah. So maybe one day he'll he'll come back. But no, I think um, Christopher is the hero because he is um, he's doing basically everything he can within the bounds of his situation, like within his ethical boundaries to help his people, to help his mm -hmm. son, to help his friends. Um, he himself is not like an aggressive alien. He doesn't try to kill people. He doesn't want to start altercations. He's very like peaceful and he's very intelligent. He's very caring. Um, he's been working relentlessly for 20 years just to make this one vial of, of biofuel mm -hmm. to get back to his ship so that way he can presumably one day come back and save his people. Mm -hmm. um so he's a very like single-minded noble pursuit type of guy mm -hmm. and all the while being like a single dad um, yeah <laughs> all while being a single dad <laughs> yeah he really is so and it, it does kind of raise some questions about like the life cycle of those aliens like has he had a son for 20 years when is this son ever going to grow up like <laughs> yeah I, I also wasn't even sure how babies were made in this universe like how the eggs get formed yeah <laughs> i don't know but he's got a son who knows how long he's had the son but anyway yeah, yeah i think that like i think christopher is probably the only character in the movie that you can trust um, mm -hmm. and I think it's cool that they made the actual hero of the movie one of the aliens yeah it seems appropriate especially when, when part of like the underlying message or maybe like tone of the movie is that people that get in an inhuman quote unquote status should be elevated to he treated yeah. just the same. Yep. And it shows that I think Christopher in many ways is more human than most of the humans in the movie. Mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> or at least noble, a noble kind of human. Yeah, he's got better qualities than most humans. Uh, I will throw out that I do agree that he is kind of the protagonist of this movie. It did feel a little bit odd to have him have a significantly lower amount of screen time than Vickas. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like one master that you serve as the maker of this movie is your ideas about the other and what it really would mean for humans to like what humans usually do when they find the other and they like oppress them and stuff Mm -hmm. versus like Neil Blomkamp's relentless pursuit of the, the next coolest action shot to put in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And most of the action was driven by Vickas. As you mentioned, Christopher Mm -hmm. wasn't very violent at all. Um, Mm -hmm. So I feel like consequentially you have like two things happening, which kind of conflict a little bit in my opinion. And that is like truly elevating Christopher to the status of protagonist and having like Mm -hmm. at least equal time with the not hero, not anti-hero person (laughs) Mm -hmm. versus like the anti-hero kicking ass. Yeah. It's kind of like an interesting quality about the movie that I'm not sure exactly what I would have done differently or anything, but just like, it does feel like a little bit off, you know? Yeah. That the actual hero of the story is like a supporting character. Yeah. That's a good way of summarizing it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that has, uh, more to do with the fact that Christopher is uninteresting in terms of plot development, or if it's more that like the way that this movie was shot in terms of found footage was mm-hmm. focused on Vickis's journey more. It's true too. Um, there, there may be like a recut you could do to show that Christopher is more involved than he seems. Cause there's a lot of stuff. We just don't know that what he's doing. Yeah. Now that you mention it, um, you could probably cut this movie down to like 30 or 45 minutes and show mostly Christopher's perspective. And then mm-hmm. Vickis would basically just become like the stock bad guy that has a change of heart at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, he really would. So in a way, it's actually kind of, I guess it is refreshing to have like, to see the stock bad guy change rather than just like his show up and he's like, fine, alien, I'll help you. Right. That's another good point there. Yeah. We build more empathy for Vickis because we follow him. But I think that's a really cool point you make that if we look at the movie from Christopher's point of view, Vickis would be the villain. Yeah. 100%. Hundo P. Hundo P. Um. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a really good question, which begs, I think, yet another question from our thread from the user Souljavet, which is, would you want a sequel? I kind of summarized this a little bit in what I said on there. So sorry, people who are reading the thread and listening to the thing. I talked a little bit, maybe too much. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks for the question, by the way. Yeah, thank you for the question. Um, 
I'm kind of on the fence. I'm a sucker for like, like knowing that a like us like lives continue after stories. Mm-hmm. I always really like that. Um, so part of it's because of the mystery involved. Part of it's because like it feels more authentic, mm-hmm. like things like that. And so I, I'm not saying that a District 10 movie would necessarily f*** that up. But I know mm-hmm. that Hollywood can sometimes go like, we've neatly wrapped up this Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. Guess what, folks? <laughs> There's more. And then they just kind of like saturate. Uh, yeah. Maybe more than you wanted to know, like less mystery. And that, I think, could hurt it. Mm. So what you're saying is you want District 9 and 3 quarters. <laughs> wow. Where Christopher comes back with a ship full of wand-wielding prawns <laughs> and they Avada Kedavra all the humans in Johannesburg. That's that's actually <laughs> enough. <laughs> um. That's actually another thing that uh, that Souljave was was asking about on here is kind of in relation to a sequel, like what would humanity do either between the movies or like during the mm-hmm. movie? Like how would they change on a macro level? Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason why I, I don't know if it ju- if it would just be more of the same and then less mystery. Like would they just mm-hmm. get here and then there's another mega corporation that they fight that like mm. gets in the way and Vicus is this time on their side or whatever and then that's it's just kind of like a longer movie who knows yeah yeah so is it less that you're like afraid of um there not being an interesting story to tell possibly and more that you're afraid that they would just rehash the same story from the other point of view Possibly, yeah. Like, uh-huh. what if one of the reasons that um, Niall Blanc- Neil Blomkamp hasn't uh, done it yet, and he hasn't, like, quote, had time to, is because he's not even sure how he would do it, you know? Right. I feel like I might be getting a little bit pessimistic, so I will at least come from the optimistic angle and say that he's clearly a talented filmmaker who was working with a talented mm-hmm. team and there's obviously a chance for, for them to come and make it very interesting. So I will throw that out there. Mm-hmm. I just do know that like Hollywood can make those mistakes. Right. Yeah. Well, and two with a um, movie that is so allegorical to a real life event, like apartheid. Um, mm-hmm the sequel you kind of run the risk of like trying to keep that parallel going to the detriment maybe of the story you were told in the first uh movie yeah so i don't know i think it does set up some interesting themes though right <laughs> of these this is maybe one difference uh between like the situation of apartheid and the situation of district nine is the people who were oppressed in apartheid, like whenever they, whenever apartheid ended and they became free 
like there was definitely backlash that happened right against the white people that caused all of this and and the white people started becoming marginalized kind of in retribution in some ways which like whether or not you think that's okay like that's up to you um but they were still like humans versus humans yeah in district nine the oppressed faction is an alien civilization with technology like far beyond the control of humanity so there's a clear like power differential here that whenever those aliens stop being so oppressed like they could really i feel like come back and like wipe humans off the face of the earth if they wanted to so Mm -hmm. um that's one of those things where like if you if you follow the same plot line sorry to reduce it that way but the same plot line as apartheid Uh, Um, oh okay maybe maybe the aliens come back and they like you know start cleansing the earth of humans and that's kind of like an interesting story but also i think undercuts a lot of the values that were portrayed by the the aliens in the first movie it makes them much less sympathetic yeah in the first movie if you know that eventually they're going to come back and kill all humanity then you start thinking like like vicus does and going okay yeah these guys in many ways, letting Christopher and the ship leave was like one of the biggest national security disasters for humanity that could have ever happened. Yeah. Because yes. from the perspective of Earth governments, we have no idea what they're going to do when they come back. No idea. Right. We could <clears throat> we could kind of yeah. like Independence Day throw every nuke we have at them and they just bounce off like like yeah some something like something i can't think of what it is (laughs) really something bouncy quality podcasting Uh, folks (laughs) (laughs) no i know what you mean like there's also you know who's to say though that the aliens didn't already be like why didn't our ship come back after 20 years That's true, too. Like, arguably, I think the point at which humanity made the mistake is the point at which they started rounding up the aliens into slums and then to concentration camps. Like, that's going to be a hard one to explain, no matter how the aliens end up at Earth. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas if it was like, oh, welcome to our planet. Let us figure out how to live in equanimity with you. And then the aliens come by and see, like, hey, where'd our, where, where's our ship been this whole time? And they see, like, oh, our alien dudes are living peacefully with these human dudes. That's cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Versus, like, they show up and, like, oh, my gosh, our people have been enslaved. Yeah. That's the mistake. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like at this point, no matter how the aliens come back... Do you think that there is a way that humanity could offer a mea culpa that would exonerate them from destruction? I think that the only logical thing to do as like a head of state or even like if the UN gets together and is like, we're going to do this would just be to like weapon up. Like we have to have something Mm. that will pop those alien ships like balloons when they're trying mm-hmm. to like come down from the sky and like 
Mm-hmm. They might. They're probably going to do some research on like the linguistics and like trying to figure out how to like talk to them and stuff. Now that they kind of like mm-hmm. maybe learned a little bit of a lesson, but they are a hundred percent going to porcupine up this planet. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and maybe this is the reason why the sequel hasn't been touched. Like you're saying, is the um the literary parallels and value of district nine, the process of sympathizing and becoming the other can be kind of destroyed by yeah the logical plot conclusion that will follow yeah <laughs> in the next movie. <laughs> so maybe it is better to just let everybody imagine. Yeah. What happens? I will make a slight um, side point to that about like logically mm-hmm letting the plot play out. And there there were some points during mm-hmm. this movie where I felt like there was a little bit of hand-waving. Um, okay. For instance, I think that almost any time that, that Vickus was moving around, like, between locations, was mm-hmm. pretty much like a giant plot hole. Um, yeah. <laughs> so let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. One of the biggest ones for me actually was like the the Deus Ex wife mm. that kept kind of happening. Okay. Like there were two phone calls that Vickus made to his wife throughout the movie. Yeah. The first one, she was clearly like, I don't know what the hell is going on. I don't know what's going on with you. Are you like f- the prawns or something? Like, yeah. do I even love you anymore? And yeah. then like, goodbye. Yep. And the very and then the next phone call, like thirty minutes later into the movie, she's like, "I totally believe you. Everything is great. Like, mm-hmm. I think that I would want for you to come back. I want to save you. I don't believe my dad. Mm-hmm. Like, and there is some like that. I feel like was one of the the most jarring examples of kind of like the hand waviness of the script. Well, hold on, because. You, you realize she was being compelled to do that. You're talking about for the... Um, you're talking about by the people who were, like, phone tapping him, right? Yeah. So she so, was, like, being used to get him to stay on the line long enough that they could find his location. So, yes, that was happening. This, this I think, could be maybe an interpretive moment. Uh-huh. Um, towards the beginning of the movie kind mm-hmm. of in the documentary style that that it was that it was filmed in mm-hmm. there's like interviews with a bunch of people and like all of them are saying like we don't know why Vickus did this or like we don't know what's yeah. going on with him yeah but everything about when his wife was being shown mm-hmm. she seemed to still love him and like yeah i think that Yes, they were wiretapping him, but I actually didn't think that she was compelled to lie to him or anything like that. Mm. I think she was supposed to be genuine there mm. because of what she was doing at the beginning. She was like keeping his stuff waiting for him to come back. Right. And because of the flower she received from him on yep. her doorstep. Yeah. But maybe that's maybe that's also just like another inconsistency, though, that really flips that around. It could be that she was compelled, like you said, mm. and it's somewhat difficult to tell. Yeah, it is a little difficult to tell. And it's also difficult. There's like another layer in this of was she 
like saying that stuff for the documentary that was happening in universe, right? You talk about how in the found footage, she's like happy for like, you know, like she still misses him or whatever. And like, still <laughs> says that she loves him. Like, is she just saying that for the cameras in this universe? Um, I think you could interpret it either way, but I don't That's totally think, like, fair too. If I think if you interpret it as her being genuine though, um, I think it's less of a plot hole and more of like a she was a very minimal supporting character that like you just don't get a lot of screen time with. So her her emotional journey through the movie is not well mapped. Yeah, agreed. That might be a better way to say it. Yeah. Um. But that's an interesting reading of of that, like that she kind of has this whiplash back and forth. Um, and I think if you try to apply the like Christopher thought experiment you were suggesting earlier uh-huh. um, from Vickis's wife's point of view and imagine like this movie through her eyes. It's like her husband shows up at his surprise birthday party and vomits black stuff and passes out and gets taken to the hospital. And then you're seeing a bunch of stuff about how he's been having sex with aliens and is now contagious and is a mutant. And you're like, what <laughs> is going on? <laughs> yeah. It would like break you. Yeah. So I feel like for her, maybe it is actually reasonable that she has like this whiplash between I don't know if I love you anymore to, oh my God, I want everything to go back to the way it was. This sucks to I can tell myself that I still love him. So that way I don't fall apart <laughs> cognitively. <laughs> um, A lot of that is us kind of guessing though. Yeah. What did you think of, uh, and this might be the biggest plot hole in my opinion, and it's not really like a hole in the plot itself, it's more of like a hole in the universe's explanation of things. Uh-huh. Um, what did you think of the fact that the aliens and the humans could understand one another without speaking the other's language? <laughs> <laughs> that was <laughs> That was definitely an inconsistency, so... Uh-huh. Like early on when they're serving the eviction papers, a lot of the aliens were like, I don't even know what you're saying, like in their subtitles mm-hmm. or like what's going on. And there was zero indication that the humans could understand them at, at all uh-huh. for any reason. Mm-hmm. And then like towards the end of the movie, like Vickis like knows what the chirps mean. And he's mm-hmm. like, and I think he even used the phrase like, what did you just chirp? Or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines. So, I, I maybe they just never, like, introduced the fact that he knows their language. And he, like, <clears throat> hardly mm-hmm. ever acknowledges it until, like, more than halfway through the movie. I don't know. I did, too, think it was kind of weird, though. Yeah. Because, like, he's having full-on conversations with Christopher in the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Like, when they're going back and forth about, you know, here's the eviction papers, and Christopher's like, I don't want to sign these, this isn't legal, you need to give me 24 hours notice, and Vickis is like, oh, you don't think you can sign these, huh? Well, like, say, I see you've got a son here, and he's like, no, don't talk about my son. Like, they're going and doing this back and forth, Yeah. but it's like, we're here to serve you some papers. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like... What do you mean you don't want to sign these papers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was all kind of odd. 
but maybe that was just not part of the focus. Kind of like I mentioned earlier, maybe he was just kind of like Neil Blomkamp and the rest of his team were just kind of maniacally focused on their like core ideas that they're trying to express in the story or something. And then they were like, some of the other stuff doesn't necessarily land. It's fine. We'll make up for it by like exploding a dude's head and like catching a missile. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we'll just... (laughs) Maybe that's just kind of like what their goal was with this. And that's totally valid way to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's... I, I appreciate the convenience as a viewer that they just subtitled the aliens and everybody just had conversations with each other and we, we could just get past that. <laughs> um, but I would have at least liked a little throwaway line. Yeah, exactly. About how they could understand one another. Yeah. Even if it's dumb. <laughs> Even if it's down. Um, were there were there other things that you wanted to pick out from the pre-show thread or other things in, in any other questions that you wanted to broach on? Something that I I don't think is asked directly in the thread, but is kind of obliquely maybe hinted at um do you think these are the only aliens or do you think that there is a place that they came from like if the ship were the only ones of their kind yeah like if it was a colony ship or if it was like you know if if this is the ship that they all live on right and why do you think that they showed up to earth I think that there are actually two very different interpretations of what's going on with the ship. Uh-huh. Um, I think that interpretation one is that, yes, this is part of a larger civilization and they were, they will come back with like lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. They hinted at like a home planet existing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's totally plausible. The second, maybe, like, less substantiated idea, but let's see what you have to think about it, is that there actually is no, like, alien species, and they do have a home planet, but what this actually is, is, like, a traveling plague of sorts that transforms any aliens of any kind of species into prawns Mm. Mm. and that there is no Mm. species called prawn really that Mm -hmm. they're all like they're all kind of like flood in halo Uh uh-huh and that they share like a common biology but it's like forced upon the organisms Mm. And that after that, they can reproduce, but they all used to, or like many of them used to be other aliens. And I think that's mm. also very interesting. Um, I, mm, yeah. That is a cool idea, um, especially because like you see the biofuel they use for the ship. It transforms Vicus through no other means than like touching his skin. That's all it takes. Yeah. Um, which seems pretty pretty undesirable for a fuel source to be able to do that to any living species yeah um like what if it accidentally turns their like what if it turns their food into them accidentally right yeah 
Um, so that is an interesting reading. Like maybe, maybe there is a home planet full of some other species of being that invented this biotechnology, but saw what happened whenever you got exposed to it. And so they exiled these guys Ooh. and they just put them on a ship and like sent them like, just get out of here, go somewhere else. We don't want, we don't want you here. <laughs> Um, which would explain why, like, they, I don't know, there, there's kind of two different ways you can read this in one of the opening scenes. There's a, like, a pseudo-historian guy who's talking about how the aliens that landed here on Earth must be, like, the, like, the drones of the society because they're all, like, unintelligent, they're all, like, animals, they, they don't really have common purpose and whatever. So that's like obviously just a dehumanizing thing that like people said about black people in apartheid. Um, But you could also maybe read that as being actually true in this universe that like these were the guys who were the rejects of the society (laughs) that they used to live in and have been cast out. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when they show up from their ship, like millions of them are on here and all get dumped onto earth. Like, (laughs) yeah. It's just uh, it's just like a giant garbage truck and Earth is the landfill. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that would be... And that could be an interesting way that you could salvage maybe a sequel out of this is like the, the home planet doesn't want them either. And so Ooh. they truly are the other. Oh, um, man. Yeah. And maybe Christopher is trying to change himself back. Oh, and then he comes back as like what he was supposed to be. Yeah, because it's weird that Christopher knows he can change uh, Vilkis back. Yeah. And he knows how long it takes to change somebody back. Yeah. So maybe there is something to that. I don't know. That could be an interesting, interesting sequel. The historian that you just mentioned. Yeah. That's the same actor as Christopher. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. So it's it's I always love those kinds of things where like like Yeah. Y- you get to see like people in like a bunch of it wasn't necessarily prosthetics in this particular case, but like the voice behind like a beast or like a uh like a creature mm-hmm. in the same thing for like another role. Yeah. Um and especially when you're talking about like this this throwaway scientist character guy who who talks so flippantly about like the fact that they're chattel and like they're drones and things and they're, mm-hmm. they dehumanizing them mm-hmm. it's 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 like an interesting meta um uh comparison yeah huh that is cool fun fact certified fun stamp <laughs> Cool. I feel like uh, we've we've given District Nine a pretty thorough once over. Um, thank you to everybody mm-hmm. in the Reddit thread for your comments. I think that provided a really entertaining discussion for me, at least. Um, yeah, you guys are the best. So I think the only question from that thread we haven't addressed that I have to know the answer to, Daniel. <laughs> I know what it is. It's on a scale of one to seven. What would you rate District 9? Uh, 
So you can edit out the part where I say that you already know the answer if uh-huh. you want to. Uh-huh. I don't care. Riley has a bit of an issue with uh, uh, clicking on secrets in Reddit. <laughs> it's not an issue. I just, if something is hidden behind a spoiler tag, it's there for a reason. <laughs> I I think I would not change the number that I put in there when I wrote it. I think that a five out of seven is a very respectable number for this movie. Yep. I really enjoyed it. Um. I I liked the universe. I liked Christopher. Even though Vickus was a dick, mm-hmm. I did like his journey. There were some problems that we've talked about um, and room to just expand and improve the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so five out of seven seems appropriate. Yeah. I think I would also give this movie five out of seven fingers without fingernails on them. Oh, God. <laughs> do you want to say what that... Do you, or do you just want people to watch the movie? That's just one of the things that happens to Vickis. He just loses fingernails. It's very gross. <laughs> it is so it's like gross. nightmare fuel. Uh, he bites one off. Oh, it's so gross. <laughs> uh, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you brought it up. Yep. Yep. Five out of seven. Good. It was a good first feature film for a, a director. I feel like very solid. Um, yeah, he's like he, he's a very talented guy, and you can tell just from that first foray in. Yeah, I would I would definitely recommend that you see some of his short films he's put out. They are probably more disgusting, but great. In some ways, I think that that even though they're shorter, they do polish some of his his uh uh rougher spots that showed mm-hmm. in this movie have you seen elysium or Chappie? i've seen elysium and it was fine i don't think it was as good as district nine but we could do a whole episode on that if we wanted um hmm. i've not seen Chappie though i haven't seen either of them and i've been kind of on the fence of watching elysium at least <clears throat> so mm-hmm. we'll see it's like it's a decent enough movie. It's something that you could watch and be like, okay, I get it. But it was not. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a rehashed, less powerful District Nine. I thought right because the whole like rich and powerful versus the slums kind of thing. Yeah, fair. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of new stuff brought to it. Well, they did bring Matt Damon. That is true. They used Matt Damon as the protagonist, which say what you will. Um, yeah, I think I think that about does it for me on District Nine. <sighs> I think that we have uh, we've hit all the good spots, and of course, the good spots were from our Reddit commenters. So we said it already, but thank you. Yes, you made this discussion possible. So. Turning our attention toward the next episode of Res, I get to pick whatever I want. This is the ground rules for Collection 2. Anything. Anything. Um, But because we just did a movie, I think I'm going to mix it up a little bit and choose a video game. And that video game is Blade Runner 2049. No. (laughs) 
No. There's a game that I have kind of peripherally heard about and have seen a little bit of that looks kind of interesting. It looks like it might be a little bit up my alley. And I think you've actually started playing already. Um, so I know I know your your teeth are already hooked into it, and it's not going to be uh, a stretch. The game I'm interested in playing for the next episode of Res is Wargroove. Um, I know basically nothing about it, except mm-hmm. it looks kind of like a turn-based combat style game, which I really like Fire Emblem, so I am, am anticipating enjoying this game. Um, but this is kind of my favorite way to approach something, is where I only like peripherally know the vaguest flavors of what it is. Delicious flavors. Um... There's a, it's also kind of, um, spiritually related to Advance Wars, if you've played that. I've not. Okay. So, listeners, if you've played that, it's also like Advance Wars a little bit. Cool. So, yeah, that'll be, uh, on the next episode of Res. We'll talk about Wargroove. Quick parameters on Wargroove. Yep. Are 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 you interested because there's there's a a multiplayer aspect and a single player aspect? Are we are we interested in talking about with the the listeners the single player story, the multiplayer or both? Um I didn't even realize there was multiplayer. So, probably both. I mean, I'm going to go okay. download it and play the single player for a little while and then maybe you and I can play whatever the multiplayer is. I don't know how it works, but... Okay, cool. So we'll at least want for people to play the story. So make the time to do that. It's yeah. It's got it's got a lot of levels, so... Okay. And maybe in the pre-show, we could link to like a Let's Play of it. If you don't have the game and you don't want to go yeah. buy it, you could watch a Let's Play. Awesome. I'm really, really pumped. Great. <laughs> <laughs> cool that was easy um so yeah we will uh once we put out this episode at the same time on the subreddit we will put out the pre-show thread for Wargroove. we'll have a couple of links to some things like we just mentioned the maybe a let's play that's good to watch um download links to the actual game where you can find it etc um, so make sure that you go to the subreddit, rescast.reddit.com, and take a look at that thread and leave any feedback at all, any thoughts at all about this episode, um, as well as about Wargroove, so that we can have another great discussion. Awesome. Thanks for listening in, everybody. Yeah, thanks, guys. And make sure that if you are listening to us on a podcast app, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, whatever your flavor of choice is, uh, that you go give us a rating in the store, uh, leave a review if you have anything positive or negative to say about us. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.